Maria Miller and I'm Chair of the Women and Equality Select Committee. Maria Miller, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio today about your much-discussed Women's and Equality Select Committee. You've been hitting the headlines with various issues that you've looked into, but now you're about to investigate Brexit and equalities legislation. Why? Because it's important that we look at every aspect of implications of the UK leaving the EU. Clearly there are going to be implications for equalities and we need to make sure that we go into any Brexit negotiations with our eyes open on that. Now before we Brexited, when it was under discussion, there was some saying that we would lose rights as women and others saying no, no, it was the UK government that originally gave us, for instance, equal pay. Where do you stand on this? Where do our rights as women come from? Well, I think most of our equality law is enshrined in primary legislation in the UK. So I think that those who say that most of those rights are protected are probably correct in saying that. So far, and we're still in the very early stages, I think where the committee wants to look more is over time in the future how are we going to make sure that those rights and protections stay fit for purpose and you know as we leave the EU the fact that we won't be subject to the Court of Justice and that we won't be subject to the Charter what implications are there for the UK on that so I think that it's really important that we don't jump into this in a sensationalistic way it's clear that our law is upholding the rights of women we're not going to lose those simply by leaving Brexit the real issue is how does this change over time how are we going to make sure that those protections stay strong stay relevant, what will be the implications for the work that the EU does when we're out with of it? Yes, because we, the UK government, have led the way in some of the legislation, such as equal pay, which dates back to the 1970s. But we had a 2010 Equality Act here, where the then Labour government, Harriet Harman and Vera Baird, supported by other parties, including Theresa May and the Conservative women, enshrined all of the equality legislation into one act, the 2010 Equality Act. Do you think anything will put in jeopardy rights that have been enshrined in that 2010 Act? Um, I think at the moment it's that is what we want to look at. We want to see whether the fact that we won't be subject to the European Court of Justice and we won't be covered by the Charter of Fundamental Rights, you know, whether that is going to cause any issues for us in the future. What I think is more important though is what is the will of parliament what is the will of politicians and i see no appetite from parliament particularly to see a diminution of the rights of women and i see every indication that people want to start to sort out why we see problems which should be a part of our history and not part of our current and and future things like maternity discrimination on the rise things like the gender pay gap still being so pronounced for women over the age of 30 These are the political problems that I see an appetite to solving. I very much hope that this shows a clear indication and a clear appetite from the government to continue to press forward to improve our rights, which I think are second to none in the EU anyway. So you're saying you're going to, as a Conservative politician, chairing the Equality Select Committee, 
possibly put a marker out to give women more rights. I think this is an absolute imperative and it's not not only because I think that's the right thing to do but for a country which is facing one of the gravest economic changes in our history I think leaving the largest trading bloc in the world uh, the EU we've got to look at how we can make sure that every single member of the country every single person who is a working member of our society is able to contribute to their best and to their fullest and at the moment it's clear that women are still not being given the opportunity to do that. Our select committee reports on the gender pay gap provide a a really clear pathway for the government to achieve what it has set out as its uh, objective, which is to eliminate the gender pay gap. But they say in a generation, I'd like to see it happen rather quicker than that. So we do need to be looking at how we can continue to modernise the workplace. I mean, this is a government that has, you know, whether it's in coalition or now as a full Conservative government, has championed the rights of parents through shared parental leave and through the extending the right to request flexible working. But this is not job done and there's still a great deal more that we, we need to do to give women the, the support that they deserve. And just to recap, women won't lose their equality rights, equal pay or whatever, by Brexiting the European Union because that has to be unravelled act by act and piece by piece because all the legislation will stand as is until it's decided that it needs to be rescinded act by act. But there's, no, there's absolutely no indication whatsoever from this government that they intend to, to get rid of the Equality Act. And ultimately, that is what would have to happen if we were to see women's rights undermined in the way that we've read a little bit about in the newspaper. I do think we have to understand that these rights are enshrined in primary legislation in the UK and are not dependent on being a member of the EU. That's clear. To date, your Quality Select Committee has looked at a number of issues that have generated headlines, transgender equality, gender pay gap, maternity rights, maternity leave, and whether people are discriminated against when they take maternity leave, and also sex education, discrimination, sex texting in schools. That's that's quite a lot, isn't it, in 18 months? Yes, we've got a very full agenda. We cover all aspects of the Equality Act, and we're there to hold the government to account on how effective their policies are. And yes, we make no bones about it. We are working full on. We have already produced five reports, and we've got another four that we're working on and we'll continue at that pace because there is so much ground to cover. But what I think is coming out is how important a select committee is in surfacing these issues and giving the government the sort of spotlight on some solutions which might help develop their policy ideas. I mean, nobody expects to change you know, government policy overnight through a select committee report. But what you can do is you can sow the seeds for the way in which policy should be developed in the future. So whether it's our work on transgender, which is the first ever report in Parliament on transgender issues. We are already seeing things like insurance companies looking at how you capture individuals who are actually non-binary, so don't declare gender either way. We're getting the media to talk about these issues, sometimes sometimes not helpfully, but, but, but they're talking about them in a way which 
means that it becomes less of a niche issue and more of something which perhaps politicians feel more confident to debate, speak about and importantly legislate about in the future. Our second report was on the gender pay gap. The government at the time, David Cameron, made very clear he wanted to eliminate the gender pay gap and we, I guess, we called out the policies which really aren't there. So we've given a pathway for the government to be able to get that in back on track and to deliver in that way. Uh, our report on Muslims in the workplace was about men and women, but actually overwhelmingly the issues that are faced are, are very much by Muslim women and the, discri the sheer discrimination that they face. So this huge range, I think, shows that Parliament is thinking about women, thinking about the issues that women face, and really challenging whether government's got the right policies. And I think that's a superb thing to be doing. Well, it is a superb thing to be doing. And the BBC's controversial programme this week on a transgender girl. Were you involved in that? Well, I've been asked to comment on whether the BBC should be putting out programming aimed at children on the issue of transgender. And I think it's a very difficult one for them because we want the BBC to tackle tough issues. And the programme, That's a Girl, I, I think, and I'm not a professional, but I would say it's, it's very well-crafted programming and very creative in the way that it puts the messages over. But the one challenge the BBC's got is how do you make sure that the programming reaches the right audience? It is a mass media broadcaster and you're delivering a message which requires some sensitivity. I think this is another example of where the government needs to very swiftly be looking at sex and relationship education in schools. And I have to say the BBC's programming would be great material for a very targeted program aimed at 10, 11, 12 year olds making them aware of transgender issues and the fact that they need to have an understanding of this as they grow up. But is it the role of the BBC to give people that understanding? It's the role of the BBC to take on tough issues. I am concerned when it comes to children how sensitive their broadcasting can be to the very different stages at which children are at. And when you're talking about six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, actually targeting messages is, is interesting. In fact, I'm, I've asked for them to write me a paper on how they achieve that and I'm genuinely very interested in what they do. Yes, the BBC of course has a role but schools have an ability to deliver a much more targeted message and hence sex and relationship education really does need to be a statutory part of the curriculum. And it's a cross-party select committee so do you ever find it divides on party lines or is it all women together or is that a bit idealistic? I think within our group we have members who have a wide range of views and as anybody who works with Parliament knows political parties are broad things, they're a broad coalition of ideas in themselves. What unites us is wanting to find workable solutions, workable policies that would make a real difference and I, I've been delighted to work with such a creative group of people and we continue to really have a very formidable group of MPs working on these things together. Now you've been called a thorn in the side of the government as a former Secretary of, of State. You're, you now have a new role chairing a select committee. Those roles as chairs of select committee are seen to be very powerful today. You're elected by other MPs, not appointed, but a thorn in the side of government. Do you see yourself as somebody who, like the Women to Win campaign, is shaking up the traditional male Tory party? Well, I think that 
any woman who comes to Parliament is struck by the mountain we still have to climb here to get any sense of gender equality in the building and that's why the select committee is currently working on an inquiry on women in parliament after the next boundary review actually it doesn't affect my female conservative members of parliament colleagues as much as it affects the Labour Party. Uh, up to 17 women could lose seats and we recently had senior representatives from all the four major parties in front of the select committee answering questions on how they're going to make sure that the next general election we don't see Parliament going backwards. I think as a select committee chair I'm there to scrutinise government, government knows that, and I think as a Conservative member of Parliament I've got a more powerful position because I'm part of the governing party. I'm part of, dare we say, a conservative women grapevine. We are, a, I think, a very well-networked group of individuals and we work very well together, whether that's on select committees, whether that's on the work that we're doing through Women to Win to ensure that we've got even more women candidates coming through at the next election. You know, Parliament has to be a representative place and the Conservative Party is the largest party at the moment. We've got a job of work to do to make sure at the next election we have even more women coming through but this place has changed for me as a parliamentarian since I came in in 2005 where I was just one of a handful of women in my party. We now have 68 women, still not enough but it is a considerable change from just a few years ago. And you don't mind just finally being Maria Miller, Chair of the Select Committee, Champion of Women. I think I'm champion of making sure that this country is a fairer place and a huge part of that is making sure that women get the sort of equality which in 2016 we should be taking for granted. My daughter's 22, I want to make sure this country is a fair place for her to grow up in and at the moment we've still got a way to go and our Select Committee will work hard to make sure that this is a fair place for young women. Maria Miller, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio here today in Portcullis House. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Order, order. Maria Miller and I'm Chair of the Women and Equality Select Committee.